Dear all, INSV Mahadev departed for an historic voyage from Mauritius to Goa, India with only Commander Dilip Dhonde at the helm. This is the first time an Indian yacht with the only Indian crew is sailing between Mauritius and India. It is interesting to note that ancestors of the Indian diaspora in Mauritius came from India in the 18th century aboard sailing ships. INSV Mahadev's sailing is creating history and this could be the dawn of sailing, seafaring spirit in India. It makes me wonder as to why many more sailors don't take this historic trip from India to Mauritius. Wish we have many such yachts calling at Port Louis. And I must share that INSV Mahadev flying the Indian flag in the marina, where you had seen only European flags thus far, was a sight full of pride and satisfaction. Attached are some more pictures of Mahadev taken by the Dornier Rail. She is about 150 nautical miles north of Mauritius. Enjoy the pictures. Regards, Commander Vishal Kanu. Vishal is an old friend and was on a deputation with the Mauritius Coast Guard. He and his officers had left no stone unturned to make sure our stay was pleasant and that we are ready to head to sea in time. There were also some photographs forwarded by Abhilash, among them a few of me getting garlanded. The state I was in, all I could think about after seeing the photo was that I was looking like a sacrificial lamb being garlanded before being led to the altar. The misery continued for the next four days and I seriously started wondering what I had gotten myself into. I remember the two stages of seasickness described by a wise man. The first stage is when you think you are going to die. The next stage is when you wish you are dead. While I wasn't feeling too well, Madhai kept sailing perfectly without any problems, eating up sea miles and making fast progress towards the equator. As we neared the equator, the wind started dying down and the equatorial squalls started reappearing regularly. There had been a real scare about piracy in the area and I had been advised by the Navy to stay as far away from the African coast as possible. A naval ship on her way for a routine anti-piracy patrol had been told to keep an eye on us and was being regularly updated about our position. One afternoon, as we were passing west of the Chagos archipelago, I sighted a ship that looked like a large fishing trawler on our port beam. This was the first ship I was seeing after leaving Mauritius, so naturally I kept watching. After doing a parallel course with us on the port side, the ship crossed in front of us and started doing a parallel course on the starboard side, not too far away. This set the alarm bells ringing on Mahdi. There had been enough stories about large fishing trawlers being hijacked by pirates and being used as motherships. In fact, a few years earlier, the Indian Navy had taken the lead in seeking one such mothership. I picked up the satellite phone and called up the war room in New Delhi. It was a Sunday and the duty officer answered my call. I explained the situation to him. He was concerned too and informed me that the ship on anti-piracy patrol was some 400 nautical miles away and thus of little use in the present situation. I told him to assume that I was kidnapped and to press the panic button if he didn't hear from me in the next two hours. As I sat watching the ship on my starboard beam, keeping a lookout for the skiffs the pirates usually use to board ships, I realized how vulnerable a yacht when faced with a bunch of pirates. I was sailing at about 6 knots, my best possible speed under the circumstances. Anyone equipped with a half-decent power boat and armed with a pea shooter could have jumped in my boat and overpowered me. Luckily, the ship did eventually turn out to be a fishing boat. After a while, I could see her slowing down and large nets being lowered over the stern. I heaved a sigh of relief and called up the wardroom to pass on the good news. A few days later, I accidentally discovered a small but significant shortcoming on Madhi. While moving inside the boat, 
I hit my head and was rewarded with a nasty gash close to my eye. The fresh wound started bleeding profusely, making me wonder if it needed to be sutured. Unfortunately, I couldn't see the wound as there were no mirrors on the boat. While fitting the boat out a few months back, Ratnagar had asked me if I wanted to fit one on the boat. I am going to be alone on the boat and plan to grow a beard at sea, so why bother with a mirror? had been my rather cocky reply. I tried using the camera on my laptop to click my own photo to inspect the wound, but wasn't too successful. All I managed to do was to splatter a lot of blood over the laptop and the navigation table. I finally gave up on the inspection, pressed a handkerchief tightly on the wound and waited, feeling rather stupid. Fortunately, the bleeding stopped and the wound healed in the next couple of days. Another item was added to the list of jobs to be done on return. We crossed the equator on 17 June 2009 and were back in the Northern Hemisphere, 28 days after leaving. The southwesterly monsoons greeted us almost as soon as we sailed across the equator, allowing us to head straight for Goa on a broad range. The winds were lighter than expected, which meant my supposed training for the Southern Ocean would have to wait till I actually reached the Southern Ocean. A naval ship transiting through the area at the end of its patrol came by to check us out. It stayed with us through the forenoon before heading towards Cochin, its home port. The weather was nice and Madhavi was sailing peacefully in moderate and steady winds. I had a nice lunch and was having a nicer siesta when I got a call over my VHF. Sailboard in position, this is warship calling. Why has this guy come back? What's with the accent and why is he being so officious? I muttered as I got up to answer the call, assuming that the naval ship had come back for some reason. Yes, warship, this is Madhe. What happened and where are you? Sailboat, this is warship half a mile on your port beam. Do you need any assistance? I instinctively looked out of the hatch on the port side. There, filling almost the entire porthole, was an aircraft carrier and it definitely didn't look Indian. As I was introducing myself to the carrier, a Chinook helicopter flew over briefly. Its markings didn't leave any doubt about its nationality. The officer of the watch of the carrier explained that they had seen light glinting of Made, mistaken it for a distress signal and closed in to investigate. They were a formation of US naval ships and had already altered course to keep clear of us. I spent the next hour watching the big hulk sail by and photographing them. As we moved north and closer to Goa, the wind started getting erratic. On 23rd June 2009, a couple of miles short of the harbour entrance, the wind died completely. I decided to motor for a while with the sails up, expecting the wind to pick up. It didn't make sense wallowing in sight of land after such a long trip. I put the boat on autopilot and came inside to fill up the log. My first solo trip was almost over and I had already started getting into a celebratory mood. It is at times like these that the sea teaches you lessons you won't forget in a hurry. By the time I noticed the big squall building up astern, it was already too late. Winds of 40 knots hit us as I came out, almost turning the boat over. The autopilot, totally overpowered, gave up in no time and my best efforts at hand-steering Madhi didn't seem to be of much help. Not too conversant yet in dealing with squalls or reefing in an emergency, I ran forward as soon as I could and let go the main halyard in an effort to bring down the mainsail and get the boat under control. This proved to be a bigger mistake with the mainsail thrashing around and breaking two battens. It dumped itself on the deck and became even more unmanageable. By the time the wind subsided a little, 
and I could get some semblance of control on the boat. We were already at the mouth of Marmagoa Harbour. I was very glad to see Abhilash heading for us in a speedboat. Whatever happened to you? He couldn't help asking as he jumped on Mahade. Something really stupid. I'll tell you later. For now, let us make her as presentable as we can. I replied, feeling far more stupid than Abhilash realized and tried to gather the mainsail on the deck to prevent any more damage. Luckily, there wasn't any major damage. We motored the boat in the harbour, tied her alongside a naval ship, Ines Bitra, before jumping off to attend a small reception on the ship. It was good to be back. When we left Goa in May, the predominant colour of the land had been brown. Now, a little over a month later, it was so green that it hurt my eyes. The hot summer had given way to a very pleasant and wet monsoon. The most important change, however, was in my head. For the past three years, in order to make headway on the project, I had listened to whatever people told me, got pushed around, at times allowing myself to be treated like a doormat, because whenever I tried countering an argument or a wrong suggestion, I would be asked, but what is your experience of solo singing? None, sir, I would mutter, feeling very stupid. Never again would I need to feel stupid if someone asked me that. It was time I started showing a bit of attitude and got things moving. I don't. It. it was a proud moment for all. Madhagi had passed her last trial with flying colours. The list of things that needed to be done to her and equipment that needed to be retrofitted had grown, but that was manageable. What mattered was that she had proved her seaworthiness, shown that she could be sailed solo over a long distance and was ready to take on the challenge she had been built for. It was time to start focusing on getting her and her skipper ready for the solo circumnavigation. As the mentor of the project, Admiral Auti took it upon himself to fire the first salvo at the pass that beat. Dear Admirals, I am in Goa to receive Madhai and her skipper Dilip on their return from a historic solo voyage from Mauritius. This is the first ever solo voyage by an Indian across the ocean in an open sailing yacht. Reason enough for the Navy to rejoice if it is in a mood too. She will now be ready for the ultimate enterprise by her builder. There is a good deal of work to be done. As usual, there are roadblocks. This time, set up by Goa Customs, who are refusing to release important equipment duty-free, despite a certificate from Ministry of Defence. The equipment has to go into Madhing before she is ready to my satisfaction. Perhaps you will help. Please do try. May I also urge all concerned to recognize the importance and the value of the enterprise to the nation. I had long ago labelled Sagar Parikrama as the Everest of the seas. Indeed, it is far more daunting and challenging. Those who have been derogating yachts as luxury items for exemption of customs duty must have a closer look at what she has achieved with the skipper. They are both, the yacht and the man, symbols of a resurgent maritime India. Warm regards.